This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is the show that knows that the enemy of my enemy is my enemy friend the friend of me the friend of my enemy is my enemy that no the friend of the friend the enemy of my friend. enemy is my enemy so hold on how, how, how do we land on this this is complicated the movie makes it seem so simple <laughs> But it is so complicated. The enemy of my enemy is my enemy. Okay. We'll take the Warren Beatty route. That's fine. That's, that's the way he landed on it. So, And he looked like he was so smitten with his own thought. He was like, yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Crushed it. I'm the best. I'm Warren Beatty. There's a thought coming. Hold on. It's uh, it's Nope, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> Damn it, do I love this movie. <laughs> this movie is so much fun. It is. Today we are talking about Dick Tracy from 1990, directed by the Warren Beatty. Sure, give him the V. He gets it. He's Hollywood royalty. Somehow. I know. <laughs> you had never seen this thing before. Never. What were your thoughts going into it? I had no expectations. I kind of almost expected something kind of Dick Van Dyke-y. Well, you got something kind of Dick Van Dyke-y eventually. <laughs> eventually, but it was, uh, wow. It was not what I expected at all. Wow, in what way? I'm like curious, just because you know this thing has a special place in my heart. Visually, it was a whole different thing than I ever anticipated. Yeah. And it made me very happy. Yeah. There's also like acting in a story-ish type. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Well, there's And characters? To put it real lightly, there's characters? That is putting it very lightly. <laughs> there are characters. I will not hide that I love this movie so, so much. Even now, I still love it. And- Watching it with my big boy adult eyes now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's glaring things that are just horribly, horribly wrong with it. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the fun of it, is that the movie knows what it is. That might make it better, yeah. And it's weird because Warren Beatty is not really known for this. Not really known for being tongue-in-cheek so much. And this whole movie, I feel like, is just tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. For an hour, 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Just want to get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. The City, 1938. Radio news broadcasts and newspaper headlines announce a slew of gangland mobsters spreading their massive crime wave across the city. Sounds terrifying. Yeah. And thrilling. In between fresh dumpster peanut butter sandwiches, a homeless kid <laughs> comes across five gangsters holding a poker game at an abandoned garage. It's not just any homeless kid. It's not. It's the kid. It's the kid. The kid from the early 90s who was in everything. He's in so many things. Charlie Cosmo. Yep. I remember from Hook. That's the big one. This kid does not care to have dads in movies or loving That's parents. kind of his MO, is it? It really is. He's like, yeah, parents don't need them. Maybe by the end I'll find somebody who can fill that space in my soul, though. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> Maybe it could be a, a case of stolen identity in the future. I'm setting it up. This is like a, a, if we kept doing post-credits, this would have been the post-credit, probably. Yeah. We'll get there. Not just any gangsters, either. It's the Brow, Stooge, Little Face, Shoulders, and the Rodent. 
They are some very interesting-looking cats. Why is that? They're very stylized. To put it lightly, yes. They went they went insane with the makeup they and the, did. the facial prosthetics. It's one of those things where whenever you give someone a name, it's not just a name. No. It's legitimately their entire identity is just that. Little face has got a real little face. He's got a real little face. It's actually a child actor inside a, a grown man a body big man suit. suit. Yeah. That'll do it. So he's got a tiny face. The rodent looks like a rat. Sure does. Shoulders? He's got very wide shoulders. They're very large shoulders. Insanely large Not just clever names. The brow? Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy is right. He's got some forehead folds. There's so many forehead folds going on there. Speaking of cats, because I did say there are some very interesting looking cats. Yes. I'm actually going to read directly from Cinema Cats, the synopsis for this this (laughs) scene. Okay. Cinemacats.com. It's like IMDb for For cats. cats. Per blur, at the beginning of the film, a young boy, Charlie Corsmo, stumbles into a warehouse where a group of nefarious criminals are playing cards. As the boy sneaks closer, he hits a metal container. The crooks are immediately alert and look in the kid's direction. Just then, a black cat jumps up onto one of the cans, and the crooks assume the cat made the noise and resume their card game. Kitty carnage warning. Yeah, that's putting it real lightly. The cat approaches one criminal named the rodent. The man calls nicely to the cat and then picks it up by the neck and hurls it across the warehouse. He tosses this little cat just across the warehouse. It's glorious, really. And the final musing is, boys and cats need to steer clear of criminal hideouts. (laughs) Uh, They always know what to say. And just like that, we can move on with the rest of the movie. Yes, please. Thank you. The gangsters are interrupted when a car driven by Itchy breaks through a wall in flat top, played by William Forsythe. William fucking Forsythe. He kills them all. Yeah. He shoots them dead in flat top, then shoots a message in the wall while Itchy takes their IDs. Flat top is such an iconic look in my life, I feel like, just because he is so prominent within the comics yeah. from back in the day. And when you look at him now, like translate into human form, you're like, holy crap. As soon as I so saw well him, done. I was like, what am I looking at and how am I ever going to forget it? That's right. And I won't ever. Never. Never, ever. I also did not realize until afterwards that it was William Forsyth. Really? Really. Uh, Okay. But now I can't unsee it. No, that's there for forever. Now every time I see him, I'm going to picture this weird looking guy (laughs) with his bizarrely shaped head. We should say that Dick Tracy is an incredibly old comic strip. Very old. Dates back to October 4th, 1931. Yeah, that's that's old. Written by Chester Gould. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really just about a tough and intelligent police detective. That's it. Yeah, just a regular old dick. That's right, a guy in a yellow hat way before Curious George. Really? When did Curious George start? Now I have to look that up. (laughs) This is what happens when you talk out of your ass, Brian. Yeah, I know. We got an email about it this week. We'll get there. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah, sucky Curious George, 1941. Oh, yeah, by 10 years. That was close. You know what happened? (laughs) Whoever wrote Curious George was like, you know what? What would Dick Tracy look like if he had a monkey? Oh, you're saying Hofton Mifflin. Yeah. Hofton Mifflin for 10 years was like, that dude needs a monkey. That's right. <laughs> and finally, he's like, I've had enough. We're giving Dick Tracy a I monkey. I don't know what this tree that I found outside is, but I lit its leaves on fire and inhaled. And now Dick Tracy needs a monkey. <laughs> I like that theory a lot. That's got to be how it went down. 
Dick Tracy. This Huffton Mifflin guy looks like he <laughs> came out of Dick Tracy. <laughs> he really? Is not a good looking man. He's got a weird shaped head. He does. He kind of looks like Rodin a little bit. Dick Tracy, played by Warren fucking Beatty. Oh, yes. And his girlfriend, Tess Trueheart, played by Glenn Headley Heatley. Glenn fucking Headley. There it is. She's a legend. They're attending an opera. When Tracy gets a call on his two-way wrist radio. The coolest thing so that's cool. ever existed on film, probably still. The most annoying thing to wear at an opera, though. I disagree. It's rude. I think everything that's happening on stage is the most annoying thing to happen at an opera. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. I think Dick Tracy is he's doing like a public service here of getting some entertainment <laughs> into said opera. Basically, he's got to go meet at this garage where Itchy and Flat Top just destroyed these other do you have an itchy impression can you do an itchy impression i can't do an itchy impression no okay do you have one i don't okay i don't it is your classic mobster high-pitched chicago accent yeah if anyone can do an itchy accent record it and send it in i'm so curious to hear if anyone could pull this thing off i would love to hear that that sounds like fun yeah that's a challenge for everyone and also keep writing in imdb trivia facts uh, on IMDb for yeah. movies that we're talking about in the future, so Brian has to suffer through them. Right, so, so I can read them to Dave, and he can complain too. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then let us know if we read your IMDb fact, if you tricked Brian. It turns out the murders were a message to Tracy from Big Boy, who we will meet soon. I don't want to even like give that one away yet, nope, because not it's ready. so exciting. He goes back to the opera, because why not? And reporters hound him when he leaves after the show. So the whole part where he goes back, he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Operas are long. That is a scene that was in the movie, and I don't know why. <laughs> he was like, all right, I'm back. I got back to my seat and sat down, and then we cut to the end of the opera. Right. Immediately. I assume it was for humor purposes. Possibly. I did find it amusing. Good. Reporters hound him as he leaves, asking him if he's considering becoming the chief of police or maybe running for mayor. Neat. I guess so. <laughs> We call that character development? Somebody's trying to develop the character. All right. We'll see. We will see. See if it sticks. That's right. Later at Club Ritz, Breathless Mahoney, played by Mafucking Donna. Yeah, she's in this for sure. She's singing when Lips Manless, played by Paul Sorvino. Paul fucking Sorvino. Yeah. Everybody in this movie's a fucking. Every single person. This cast is unreal how good it is. Yeah, it really is. This guy's mouth. It's offensive. Well, his name's Lips. <laughs> and so gross. And I should tell you everything you need to know. He's just sucking back these, what are they even? The clams? They're not clams, even clams. Oysters? Oh, oysters. That's he, the word. He's slurping oysters <laughs> at a rate that I've never seen. Joey Chestnut would blush. Yeah. At the way he's eating these oysters. Just, just slurping them down so fast. It makes me think, like, in the movie Step Brothers, how they're like, just like Kobayashi. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, Lips Manless should get some props. Yeah. Lips gets word that his men from the garage have been killed. And as Breathless finishes her set and sits down with Lips, they are seemingly arrested by two police officers and taken to an unmarked car where Lips sees Flat Top in the back seat with a gun and realizes these aren't policemen at all. No! He's been had! He has been had, and so has Breathless. They've both been had. They've both been had. Lips and Breathless are taken to the Southside Warehouse on the river, where Big Boy, played by Al fucking Pacino, right, forces Lips to sign over the club to him. Now, you said Al fucking Pacino. Yeah. And you left out a part in his name here. What's that? It's Oscar-nominated for this role, 
Al fucking Pacino. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All of that. That, char- that tracks. Best actor in a supporting role. And in my opinion, this is when Al Pacino goes full Al Pacino in his career. Yeah. Where he just gets yelly with everything. This yeah. is the iconic now Al Pacino. With a prosthetic nose and chin and cheekbones. Right. And he probably would have won that year if it weren't for Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. If it were for those the meddling The unbeatable kids. Joe fucking Pesci and yeah. Goodfellas. So good. It is so good. Big Boy then encases lips in cement and drops him to the bottom of the river. As you do. Naturally. Big Boy announces that he's now in charge and owns everything that Lips used to own, including Breathless. Right, because that's just what you do. You just, oh, women. I can own that, I guess. It's sort of like that. It really goes along the line of like a Michael Scott, I declare bankruptcy type scenario. It is more like that, yeah. You plant your flag in what you want. I now own Madonna. (laughs) It's a bold claim there. That's huge. Yeah. You called her Madonna. What you really should call her is 30 years later, Marilyn Monroe. Because that's what she's doing. Yeah, oh, 100% like, is what she's doing. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. It's impressive, actually. That's what she did in the early 90s, though. I don't know, man. A League of Their Own? Oh, okay. She's on another level in that movie. Everyone is, though. That movie is fantastic. True. That's another one that's Patreon bait. It should be. Tracy and Tess head over to Mike's Diner, and Tess, on the way, tries to convince Tracy to settle down to a less dangerous job, but Tracy has no interest in a desk job. No, not for him. And he proves it by chasing after a little kid who just stole a watch. Right. He needs that action, that thrill, the chase. Not just any kid. It's the kid again. You know, Charlie Korsma. Right. Should we talk about the way this movie looks here? Because I feel like it's appropriate. Yes. Now is a good time. This diner looks like your classic 30s to 50s diner. Yeah. You have like the leather booths and you have the stainless steel everywhere where it just looks old timey. But what's more impressive is the way that the city is done yeah, and the, the way this movie itself. looks. Warren Beatty went incredibly over budget on this movie by making sure they got the color scheme properly correct. Yeah. So you do have all your reds and greens and purples. Now, when you say all your reds and greens and purples, he limited the color palette to six colors. Right. So all of your colors are red and green and purple. And yeah. Yes. That's amazing. That's it. It's amazing. And the reason he did it is because back in the day, it was cheaper to print those colors in comics. Yeah. So he is honoring that and putting out a true comic book film. That's the reason that I use the same color palette for our episode artwork. That's correct. How about that? How about it? Yeah, I immediately fell in love with this movie as soon as I saw what they were doing with the scenery. It's a big mixture of matte paintings Mm -hmm. and miniatures and just brilliant camera work. And by camera work, you mean they're really not moving the camera ever. They're being very careful the way they do everything to yeah. make this thing look the way it does. And this is an iconic looking movie. Even if you take Big like time. Dick Tracy has the bright yellow trench coat and bright yellow hat and he stands out and damn near everything he does. Like, how can you be stealthy in that costume? And frankly, you don't need to be. You don't. And that's what the movie kind of proves. But the movie is shot and was nominated for Best Cinematography by Vittorio Storaro. And damn it, does it look good. It looks so good. Every single effect in this movie is practical. Which is? Every single one. That's insane. Which is insane because of how many tricks are pulled off in this thing. Yeah. For Warren Beatty, of all people, to pull off. Who knew? It is incredibly impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so good. 
And I think to help it along, we get this great looking scenery. Everything looks great, but it's nothing without the music, really, when you put the whole package together. Yeah, I mean, you need music. Otherwise, you're just looking at visuals. Exactly. And what better music to get than Daniel fucking Elfman? Daniel fucking Elfman. I forgot he did the music in this. I never knew he did the music for this until... Literally the first note of the movie, and I went, oh, dear. You know that feeling like whenever you're watching Royal Rumble once a year, and you hear like the music hit of somebody that you haven't seen in like 10 years come out, and you're like, ah, yeah! That's what it was like when I saw the opening credits and Danny Elfman popped out. I went, (laughs) oh! Yes! (laughs) Yeah, and then they followed that up with original songs by Stephen Sondheim. Yep. What? We should say, Oscar winner for this movie, Stephen fucking Sondheim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The god of Broadway, Stephen fucking Sondheim. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he went over budget, but I don't know how he kept it to only $47 million. I have no idea. And especially because the makeup in this movie is so good that it is Oscar winning for Oscar. best yeah, makeup. Yeah. <laughs> because of course it is. Of course. For this silly movie that is Dick Tracy. Everything about the visuals and music in this movie got nods during award season. Yeah. Be it Golden Globes, Oscars. Or Grammys. It's ridiculous. Yeah. This is an iconic movie. Continue with the goofiness, Brian. Let's keep going. Dick Tracy follows the kid to a shantytown at the railroad yard. And there, the kid's, I don't know, father? Some, some... I don't know what he is. Guardian. Sure. He's like, I got you this watch. And he's like, this is it. And he starts, you know, messing with the kid. Sure. He's beating him, basically. As you do? For reasons. <laughs> like, oh, you only Not as you stole do. this watch for me? I this awesome-looking this. watch? Yeah. What, it's the coolest th- watch in the world, man. You think you're allowed to eat dinner now because you stole a watch? <laughs> Luckily, Tracy shows up and intervenes, fighting the dude until the entire shanty collapses. Right. In such a, just a cool shot. It's great. It makes me wish that this guy, old guy was like, Grandpa Joe. Dick Tracy <laughs> came to beat the shit <laughs> out of him. Uncle jo- Grandpa Joe. Oh, God. I said Uncle Joe, and I don't know why. I don't know why where, either. Where would that come from? You got me. Maybe this kid is Charlie Bucket's mom's brother. You know what? That's so complicated. For the sake of it? Nope. Just for the sake of me not looking <laughs> like an idiot for 20 seconds, but making me look more like an idiot? Right. Now we've yeah, let's both go with talked it. out of our ass. Yeah. We're even. Good. Cool. Dick takes the kid back to the diner with him, and the kid eats just ravenously like he's never had food before. He eats all the food. He eats so much food. It's gross, really. It's gross to watch a child eat on screen. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't care how, quote-unquote, homeless he is. Nah. 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 Cut away. Gross. I don't need that. You know what? I liked it better when he was eating sandwiches out of the garbage. Right. Like a garbage pail kid. That's a movie we're never going to talk about. That's a promise. Fair. And now I'm tempted. I was like, (laughs) we'll see what happens on my birthday. (laughs) Don't. You you know what? Do it. I dare you. Do it. Uh, This is you trying to wiggle your way out of Power Rangers right now. It is. I know that you put it on our schedule, and I hate you for it. There's only one more. We get it over with, it's gone forever until the next one comes out. That's a good point. I'm just going to say, my birthday's in April, and the movie's already picked, and you're all welcome already. You're all welcome. Yeah, you're you're much nicer on your birthday than I am on mine. That's right. I do it for me. You do it for everybody. That's right. I'm the giving one, believe it or not. <laughs> one day a year, Dave's the giving one. That's right. <laughs> At that point, Dick Tracy is summoned to the Southside Warehouse, so he leaves the kid with Tess. I love Tess here because Dick Tracy leaves a tip on the table and the kid takes it off the table and he thinks nobody's looking. And Tess just keeps eating casually. She's like, do you want a broken arm? She's the best. She's great. I love Tess. He throws it back at the table. He's like, 
I don't like dames. She's like, neither do I. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I love it. At the warehouse, Tracy examines the body of a policeman who had been killed there by Itchy when he nearly interrupted Big Boy's murder of lips. That was a whole thing that happened. That's there, right. There was a cop that followed him. Then he got whacked. Lots of whacking. Dick also finds a sapphire earring and some walnuts, which happened to be Big Boy's favorite snack. Hey, how about so that? So he's like, oh, I think there might have been a second murder here. You know what? Fine. He's doing detective work, I guess. Fine. <laughs> Tracy goes and arrests Big Boy's lackeys, Flat Top, Itchy, and Mumbles, played by Dustin fucking Hoffman. Yep. What? Surprise. I was not ready for that. <laughs> it's so funny how like I kept seeing when we were doing research for this movie, I kept seeing people like... You will never believe who Mumbles is. I'm like, look at him. It's very obvious who he is. It's amazing. Can you imagine having such a huge Hollywood star as Dustin fucking Hoffman and then not give him dialogue? Just let him literally mumble his way through this movie. I mean, that's his name. Without pants. Without pants. Of course. For some reason, we have to interrogate (laughs) him. I don't understand why. Pantsless. I'm not a cop. This has to be a technique I'd imagine. It has to be. It was like a heat lamp and no pants, and we're going to taunt him with water, and that's going to it's gonna work. It's going to work. It's going to work great. He interrogates him, and he learns Lips' whereabouts, kind of, or he's trying to learn Lips' whereabouts. Working on a hunch and relying perhaps too heavily on circumstantial walnuts, Tracy has <laughs> Big Boy arrested while Big Boy is preparing for his new club's reopening. Circumstantial walnuts. Circumstantial walnuts. Great band name. Oh, it's very good. Yeah. After they arrest Big Boy, Tracy stays behind and he follows Breathless into her dressing room, which is, I guess, a thing you could do if you're if you're a detective. Uh, well, sort of, because he opens the door and he says, you in here? And she says, you're breaking enter. And he goes, sorry. <laughs> he actually is closing the door. And then she summons him into the room. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, if you're polite, you can see naked Madonna. I, and you know what? <laughs> That's really what it comes if down to. If you're Warren Beatty. <laughs> And you're filming a PG movie, you can have a naked Madonna in it. Which blows my mind. Yeah. That that's a thing. I was like, what is happening here? I don't understand how this movie got a PG. I truly don't. With the amount of killing and- Naked Madonna? Naked Madonna and innuendo. PG? PG. Slap it on there. And it's not even like it's a 70s PG. This no. is a 1990 PG movie. Right. <laughs> I don't get it. But here we are. He goes into the dressing room and he asks her to testify against Big Boy. And she's like- let me seduce you instead. She says, you don't know whether you want to hit me or kiss me. I get that a lot. And Tracy's like, all right, we're not doing this. And she refuses to testify. I really like Madonna in this movie. I do too. And it is a little disgusting because she's clearly over the top. Yes. But it's so by design that she's over the top. Exactly. That there is just nothing subtle about her character. And she owns it so well. She does own it. And I think that's important when we talk about it later. I completely agree. Of course, Big Boy is released the next morning because you can't dust walnuts for fingerprints, and a detective should know that. (laughs) That is a direct quote from this movie. Do not forget it for later on. Tracy and his police chief are called into District Attorney Fletcher's office, Dick Van Fucking Dyke. I forgot he was in this movie. I never knew he was in this movie, but when I saw him, I was like, oh my God, here he is. He is here, and oh boy. Is he not going to Dick Van Dyke all over the screen? He's not at all. I was surprised. Right. I feel like we've had a lot of Dick Van Dyke down here lately in the in the fortress. You can never have enough Dick Van Dyke. His name's been coming up a lot, and I'm for it. I hope it doesn't slow down. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I feel like this is a good time to bring up one of our Facebook messages that we got. Okay. 
That is from the Ginger Skull himself, Dave Novak. Of course it is. And it is a wed bed behead. Oh, okay. He wants to know, wed bed behead, Dick Tracy, Dick Van Dyke, and Dick York of Bewitched fame. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. All three. Very old men. Dick York might not be alive anymore, now that I think about it. So, <laughs> oh boy, Dick York barely lived after this movie. Oh, wow. Like he probably saw it and went, better dicks. Bye. <laughs> what is it, 30 seconds, no more dicks? 30 that's, seconds, no more dicks? That's right. That's what he did. I thought he did. He kicked it. That's a tough one. I'm going to marry Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, I don't blame you for that at all. Mostly because Dick Tracy won't be able to commit to you. Right. He's, oh boy. We will get there. We will get there. We will so get there. I don't know. I think I think Dick Tracy would be more fun. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bed Dick Tracy. He's probably gonna donkey punch you. You think so? That seems like his move. For sure. I don't know. He seems too intimidated by by actual intimacy. I thought you were gonna say females. <laughs> I was gonna worry him <laughs> for a second. Well that too. What aren't you telling but... me? That beard is really convincing, Brian. <laughs> uh he would totally donkey punch you. I watched him in this movie punch five men with one single blow. Yeah, but they were not trying to make love to him. You don't know that. It was in a montage where the context is removed. Barely. It is removed. He's breaking up mafia stuff. Yeah, and mafia stuff could be sexy sometimes. I, have again, have seen Goodfellas. I've seen Sopranos. There you go. So you don't know. They might have been trying to kiss him or something. Maybe. And he's just like, nope. I'm sticking by my answer. Dick York, sorry, man. You stay dead. He just seems too vanilla for me. He looks very vanilla. Yeah. He'd be boring. <laughs> That's what vanilla means, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> or maybe I'd be too boring because I don't have all those witchcraft moves. I don't know. That's pretty fair. I would want to let Dick York down. Dick York has a weird career because I'm looking at it right now and it says years active and usually you see a continuous streak of being years active. Sure. And his says 1943 to 1970. That's a good run. Yeah. But then it says 1972 to 1984. It's like, what did you do in 1971 that yeah. you're not telling anybody you about took Dick a York? Year off and, and what you're are you doing, Dick it? York? I know what you did that summer. I, I don't want to know. Maybe it was really hot. You don't know. And now you're going to regret your decision. Not if I never know about it. Fair enough. There you go. This is me taking a stand of never researching Dick York. I guess thank you, Ginger Skull Dave Novak. I guess I thank you. Yes. You killed Dick York all over again, Dave. Damn it. So they go to the DA's office. And Tracy is warned to stop harassing Big Boy, who's already been arrested at least five times. It's a lot. That is a lot. Dick ends up taking the kid under his wing, feeds him, gets him some new clothes, feeds him, brings him on an outing with Tess, feeds him again. So this montage of the kid saying, when do we eat? When do we eat? Gets really old really fast. It does. But it's also charming as hell. I think it gets old and then it gets fun again because of how many times he says it. You know that joke no, that you repeat no, too many times very, and it becomes fun very again? very careful with that because that right there is a Dane Cook formula for a joke. That's true. And it's also a Seth MacFarlane formula for a joke, so It's also careful. a Dave Novak formula for That's a joke. That's true. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane does not deserve to get lumped with Dane Cook and Dave Novak because okay. he has talent. He does. And I respect him as a human being. Okay. And then the other two just exist. Yeah. In the world. One of them emails us. And one of them is going to be on Catwoman with us. Yes. In a couple months. And that was his own doing. Well, he's an idiot. As he's proven many a time, as you, our lovely listeners, have heard. (laughs) He's going to love this episode right now. He's going to love it. Yeah. We're talking about him. 
Who do you think loves it more? And who do you think uses this as like donation to the Spank Bank more when we talk about them? Dave Novak or Sean Muldowney? Oh, definitely Micah. Fair enough. Got it. <laughs> A lot of deposits into that Spank Bank. Speaking of deposits in the Spank Bank, Breathless shows up at Tracy's office. And- as I've learned in Roger Rabbit. It's never good when the dame shows up in your office. That's right. When the dame shows up at work, that's a problem. It is a problem because then you get caught with your pants down or a rabbit in your pants. You're just happy to see him or whatever. Or whatever. There's usually I don't a, know a what Warren Beatty's name is involved. <laughs> Breathless agrees to testify against Big Boy, but only if Tracy gives in to her sexual advances. She pours champagne, which is just in the office yep. for reasons unknown. It's like, oh, good thing you have this here ready to go. And then lays across the desk like it's a piano and she's about to swoon. Yeah, yeah. And even though he's obviously attracted to her, Tracy's like, no, no thank you. Let me go put on my yellow trench coat of boner kill or whatever. <laughs> is that what that's for? That makes a lot of sense, actually. I don't know. He rocks the tie and suspenders and the vest and he looks real good all the time. He or does. maybe looks real good all the time. He does. She leans in for a kiss, and he does not kiss her back, so she gets up and leaves. It's real embarrassing. She's like- breathless. Fine. But she makes sure she kind of twists the knife a little bit. She's like, I get it. You just see me as some sort of cheap floozy. So now she's also emotionally blackmailing him in a way. She's like, oh, I'm going to make you feel real guilty then for not That's right. Boy, don't you wish that ever happened to you. Amazing. She is amazing. (laughs) Madonna is underrated. Yes. I have no problem saying that out loud. As an actress, Madonna she was, was much better underrated. than people, I guess, now would believe. Yeah. Because with this and A League of Their Own, she's on another level. Yeah, she's she's sending it, for sure. Right. After she leaves, he decides to follow her to Club Ritz, where Big Boy is organizing an alliance with every major crime figure in town. Right. And she looks in the rear view mirror of her car and sees Dick Tracy there following her, and she goes, Hell yes. <laughs> Got him. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> Big Boy is trying to form a new crime syndicate in the city with himself as the boss. But Spud Speldoni, played by James fucking Khan. Yep. He's refusing to work under Big Boy. And uh, Big Boy's like, you know what? That's fine. You can leave. Maybe you'll change your mind. Maybe. And then he gets in his car, he starts it up, and it blows and up. And it blows up. And this is as Dick Tracy has scaled a building. Yep. <laughs> and he is walking along. And in the car... You have Sam Ketchum, mm-hmm. who is like his associate. He's a cop. Yeah. He's another detective. Played by Seymour fucking Cassell. Yeah. Yeah. But like a young Seymour fucking Cassell who, Which is- Google him. Google him, you'll know exactly who this guy is, and you're going to go, oh, shit. It's funny All right. you say young, because here he's younger. Younger than he was. <laughs> That's correct. Dick Tracy's climbing a fucking building, Brian. Yes. And they're is. saying, hey, get down, and the car blows up, and he's like, you know what? Time to get down. Yeah, I think I should get down now. And he jumps onto a streetlight and like shimmies his way down. He whacks his head on the streetlight. It was not good. And somebody, I guess, asked him like years later, like, did you feel bad for that stunt guy that hit his head? And he was like, no, that was me. <laughs> Eric Lindros took lighter hits than Warren <laughs> Beatty took on a streetlight. For those of you who don't understand, Eric Lindros, famous for having concussions in hockey. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fuck fact for you. God damn it. Are you kidding me? I don't. I don't? Kid. I don't kid. <laughs> I didn't realize this is going to turn into one of those episodes where I... uh, the, the booze was flowing and we're having a great time. Yeah. And, and here we are. We all said of a sudden, words stop working. the world's end. 
was going to be our drunk episode for 2021. I guess we're going to bank one for 2022 then. Fair enough. <laughs> Dick Tracy. Spud Spaldoni, played by James Caan, is killed by a car bomb planted by Big Boy Caprice, played by Al Pacino. Right. In The Godfather, what do you do? Caan and Pacino previously appeared in The Godfather, in which Pacino's first wife was killed by a car bomb. Hey, how about that? We did it. <laughs> you did it. Way to be actual trivia, IMDb Good fact. job. The next day, Dick Tracy is abducted from his apartment by Flat Top and Itchy, as they're posing as, I don't know, orphanage delivery people? <laughs> They're like, we're here to take the kid. If you want to bring up Dick Van Dyke again, it's like a chitty chitty bang bang situation with the kid catcher. How do they if know you about have the to bring kid, it, though? I don't know. Not important. Move on. All right. Don't don't you poke holes in this <laughs> beautiful, beautiful Fair. movie. Fair. All the astronauts must live, goddammit. All right. Airtight. They take him to the basement of Tess's apartment building while she's at work. That I don't understand why. Why are they <laughs> there of all places? I don't know. I don't know. And the way Pacino goes, he's like, oh, you, uh, you're going to feel real comfortable here because we're in Tess's apartment. It was, Dick Tracy's sitting there going, okay. I've never been in the basement, actually. I don't know why we're here. <laughs> and as the audience, I'm going, I don't know why we're here. And the kid shows up and he goes, I don't know why we're here. He's like, I jumped on the back of the car and I don't know why I'm here. He loves riding the back of cars. I mean, if you can do it, it seems like it's a lot of fun. It does. It's kind of like Marty McFly, how he sketches around yeah. on the back of cars throughout Hill Valley. This similar. kid's just like, nah, this is pre-whatever, the 50s, when skateboards were probably invented, according to Back to the Future. Yeah. And he's just going to hold on to the back of cars, ride around, have just a great time. jump on the bumper and hang on. Right. Big Boy attempts to bribe Tracy with $15,000. Oh, Dr. Evil would love that, <laughs> oh, probably. Oh, yeah, pinky to the mouth, $15,000. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy refuses and is tied to a chair while Big Boy leaves and Flat Top and Itchy overload the heating system. It's going to blow up. But luckily, the kid was stowed away on the bumper and he rescues Tracy. They get in the building just before it explodes. And by just before, I mean like they jump and then like three seconds later it explodes and they're like, well, we can't blow up the building again, so send it. That's right. Print it. It's done. And this is the first time I noticed that Warren Beatty's lying on the ground as this building explodes. And he has a piece of wood from the set that is just right in the grundle. Like, that oh, thing is no. there to the point that it's like, don't move or else we're going to have an insurance liability in this movie. Do not move. Oh, dear. It is way up there. And <laughs> HD has taught me that's a thing that you need to look out for in these older movies. Taint splinters. That's right. They're the worst. Also, good band name. But oh, it's the, the worst type of splinters, <laughs> I'd say. I Top know. five places to get a splinter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bottom five, really. Fair enough. Top five places you don't want a splinter. That's even better way to put it. Definitely yes. the Thank top you. ten. Oh, without a doubt, top ten. The kid is made an honorary police detective and is presented with a temporary certificate until he picks a name for himself. Which is harked on a lot. A lot. They're like, yeah, kid, as soon as you have a name, that'll be a real thing. That'll be a real boy. Oh, boy, I'll be a real police detective. <laughs> Honorary police detective. What does that even mean? I don't know. You're still a fucking kid. Yeah. Also, he's just the kid, and that's annoying, too. So This isn't Charlie Chaplin. You can't just say the kid. It doesn't work that way. I mean, they do the whole movie. They so. do until he picks a name. In a graveyard, Big Boy tells the DA, in no uncertain terms, that he owns him. This is just as Big Boy, Al Pacino's walking through the graveyard, just yelling, yeah, yelling a lot at the DA, and he just continues walking and says, Yo, Dick Van Dyke, you fucked up. 
you're wrong. I'm the king of this town. I'm the greatest. I'm Al fucking Pacino. Why? You go to hell, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, that's and the And then scene. he just leaves the graveyard. That's like, why did we have to meet here if you were just going to shout and walk past I don't me? know. It's something. Yeah, we, they did it. It's a walk and talk in a graveyard, but it's just like a walk and yell. That's it. Well. With Dick Van Dyke standing there taking it. You won't see Kirsten Dunst doing it. You will never see Kirsten Dunst do a walk and talk. That is a fact. I can't believe that's coming back right now. I know. Wow. It's been so long. So long. Since the Toby Maguire, uh, the Tubes Magoobs. Yeah. Tobes Magoobs, Threebs McGeebs, all that. It's been so long. It's been so long. But, I mean, if we're bringing back Cinema Cats, we might as well bring back Tobes Magoobs. You might as well. I You're mean, right. everybody else seems to want to bring them back. Is that a wink ding? It should be a wink ding. It was a wink ding. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Did you see what uh, Tommy Hollenboy said that uh, about Spider-Man 3? That it's the most ambitious standalone superhero movie ever made. Now, he's known to talk. He's been a little bit... Uh... <laughs> He'd sink some ships with those loose lips. Yeah, yeah. And he's not hes not immune to hyperbole. No, he's not. So... <laughs> but... But... Damn it, I'm excited. Me too. Me too. Good enough. Later, the DA tells Dick that he has 14 witnesses that will testify that Big Boy was at dance lessons at the time of Lips' killing. So, you know, he's crooked. He is a little crooked. He's, he's a crooked dick, Van Dyke. A dork. Dork Van Dyke. A dork Van Dyke. Ugh, all right. Sorry. I know. Well, it's sticking now. So I know. That's a problem. And I apologize to everyone. Breathless shows up at Tracy's apartment while Tess and the kid are getting ice cream. Yep. Dressed in another slinky outfit, she asks, aren't you going to frisk me? I mean, I don't know what you want from me. You're looking <laughs> at me like you want something here. This movie speaks for itself, Brian. Yeah, you're right. You're right. She's worried that if she testifies, Big Boy will kill her. Dick assures her that he'll personally keep her safe. She's like, oh, you put a lot of yourself into your work, don't you? I guess. I guess. I mean, I that mean, seems to be his job, right? I'm, that's a bit of a stretch there, Breathless. I don't, I don't know what you're getting at, but I totally know what you're getting at. Oh, is it laying it's, it on very thick Is it because his name is time. Dick? Maybe. He, he puts a lot of himself into his work. Is she the work? That's a stretch. It is a stretch, but... Anyway, she goes in... Now I'm curious if a porn star has ever used that line of, like, I'm the work. You put a lot of yourself into the work. You sure put a lot of dick into the work. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know. This movie's doing funny things to me, and I've never been happier in my entire life. Wow. Yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> Keep going. You're doing great. She goes in and plants a kiss on Tracy's lips, and, and wouldn't you know it, Tess and the kid come back right then. Does he reciprocate? He 100% yeah, does. Yeah, he absolutely reciprocates. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, no. This is not all on her. It's not at all on her. This right here is a Warren Beatty and Madonna, and this is Warren Beatty directing, saying, Madonna, you're the hot thing right now? Come here. They're also Come here. dating IRL at this time. So Are they really? Yeah. I did not know that. Beatty I thought and Madonna he was in were the, actually dating. bending phase of his life that he would end up being stuck in for forever. That too, kind of. We'll get there. It's an interesting time in his We're life. We're going to get there. <laughs> That's the right way to put it. Uh, when Breathless leaves, Tess goes and cries in the kitchen. Which is heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. I feel for Tess. I absolutely do. I'm like, oh, what are you doing, dick? You've openly told this woman, Tess, that she's one in a million. You have told her that. And we're like, Tess, you seem one in a million. Mostly because Dick Tracy is terrified of you. (laughs) He's intimidated by you. But he has no problem standing up for crime. But you're one in a million. Right. And now she goes and cries in the kitchen. You're like, ah, damn it. I just want to, like, hug you, Tess, or something. Like, ah. Yeah. The problem with one in a million is that there are billions and billions of people on the planet. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> not in the small city of wherever we are. The city. That's right. Meanwhile, 88 Keys, who is Big Boy's piano player, as portrayed by Mandy fucking Patinkin. Yes, he's here too. What yes. is this movie doing? I am unsure at this point because it is just off the rails in the best way possible. The best possible way. He receives a call from a mysterious stranger to meet at the city car park. This mysterious stranger has a face like this. Nailed it. Realistically, it's a voice that like Stephen Hawking would be like, if I ever disguise my voice, this is what I would go for. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good one. Because that's the best I could do. Please meet me at the city car park. <laughs> Why'd you make him British? Why? That wasn't British. It sounded a little British. If he were British, it would be more like... Nope, now you're right. I can't... No. Once I tried. It's like once you try to like lower the register of your voice, you suddenly just turn British. Well, I don't know about that. Oh, wow. (laughs) There it is. The more you know. When Keyes gets there, he sees a suitcase with a payment of $5,000 and a letter. The stranger instructs him to give that letter to Big Boy, saying that for 10% of his organization's profits, Tracy will be taken care of. When Keyes asks who he is, the man is revealed to have no face. Right. So naturally, the name is No Face. No Face. (laughs) Keyes relays the offer to Big Boy, who refuses and dismisses him. He's like, yeah, get out of here. You're being silly, 10% of my business. I run this town. Well, it's a great way to look at it, because he's like, the next time you bring me an anonymous letter, just stick it up your ass for the most part. Like, this is nothing to me. Yeah. Tracy and the police prepare for their next move against Big Boy. While Breathless is singing a song at the club, Tracy leads a seemingly unsuccessful raid on Club Ritz. He kind of shows up and says, you Big Boy? And he's like, I'm Big Boy. I'm here whatever. to shut down your gambling. He's like, we're not gambling here. That's because they end up turning all the tables around. Yeah. And- flipping over the cigarette c- cases that had poker chips and stuff. It's very cool. It I is, always loved it. It is really cool. I love it. The whole thing is a ruse, though. The raid is a ruse because Tracy's men are planting a bug in the back room of the club, and also they have a gentleman named Bug who's going to man the station and listen in to all of Big Boy's Correct. Plans. Bug Bailey, played by Michael J. Pollard. Michael fucking J. Pollard. Right, and the part that I don't understand about this is that Big Boy caught on a Dick Tracy right away and said, he never looked away. Like, he knew yeah. something was Something's fishy up, here. But he couldn't figure out what it was, and then he just went about his business. Yeah. And that was a mistake. It was a mistake, because as Breathless's song continues, a montage shows the police foiling numerous crimes due to information gathered from the bug. Big Boy is losing his mind, and at every single turn, there's Dick Tracy. That's right. But eventually, because Bug Bailey spills some coffee one day, <laughs> in the ceiling. He sees like a bug crawling around. He's like, no, don't get him here, bug. <laughs> no I'm, bugs I'm near my bug. My bug. <laughs> <laughs> bug. That can only be one. Or two. Bug with the bug. But bug not a bug. bug. But not a proper no bug. No insects. No insects. Leave the Tobes McGobes away. So, well, that's an arachnid. Sorry. You're right. No, I deserve the look you're giving me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Big Boy discovers the listening device, and he's going to use it to lure Tracy into a trap. I love the way Al Pacino does this, because Al Pacino is the loudest man on Earth throughout this entire movie. Yes. But Al Pacino manages to mime talking as he discovers his bug. Yeah. And it's the loudest miming you're ever going to hear, It's like despite nothing being said. Yell whispering with no sound. It's a lot like if you were in like the theater, and you know, you like, 
put your words to the back row. You want to act towards right. the back row. Right, projection. And he's doing that without ever saying anything. But he's also Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, the whole time he's Al Pacino with accentuated features. That's going to get you an Academy Award nomination all day. Apparently that's what it takes. <laughs> we did it. It's incredibly impressive. You need to be just the most caricature version of yourself. Nailed it. And then stick with that for the, the rest of your life. Right. Really. Because I don't think he's done anything normal since. I don't think so either. Still heartbroken, Tess has Tracy meet her at the diner where she tells him she's leaving town. And he's like, oh, no, don't do that. That's And then, of course, his watch goes off. That's right. His like, watch always goes off in the at middle, the worst possible times. middle of talking to her and being like, no, don't go. And he's like, oh, actually, I got to go, so you might as well. You might as well go. <laughs> Something big is going on down the South Side Warehouse. So he's like, all right, Tess, well, I guess bye forever then. Because <laughs> I got a cop right Duty now. Duty calls. Goodbye. Big Boy has captured Bug Bailey and is bathing him in cement the same way he did Lips. Right. It's his move. Dick shows up and he manages to save Bug. But Pruneface gets the drop on him. Pruneface is called Pruneface due to him having a prune face. He has a very pruny face. He looks like his face has been taking a bath for a very long time. He's played by R.G. fucking Armstrong. I don't know why I gave him a fucking. He's barely in this movie, but he's got a really cool looking face. Let him have it. So he Everyone it. deserves it Every- in this movie. Everybody gets one. Everybody. Just as Pruneface is about to kill Tracy, No Face steps out of the shadows and shoots Pruneface. Yeah, a lot of faces. So many faces. And- they're shooting each other. Big Boy now agrees to the proposal that 88 Keys had offered, but only if it includes killing Dick Tracy. Right. He has openly been saying this entire movie, I can't kill Tracy, they're going to link it back to me. It's right. Like, yeah, you're clearly the big bad of this entire city. Everything's going to come back to you. That's right. how organized crime works. You were the guy who was when like- you were territorial. <laughs> yes. Mr. I'm the one who's running this city. Yeah, it's going to come back to you. You announced it in your Al Pacino voice. (laughs) Therefore, everyone heard. Everybody heard. Everybody heard. Now listen here, Tracy. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to kill you, but don't tell anybody else. Don't tell anybody else. (laughs) Tess goes to her mother's house, and while she's there, she has a change of heart, and she plans to return to Tracy, but before she can tell him, no face kidnaps her. Unfortunate timing, really. Yeah, it's like, hey, I just got to my mom's. All right, I'm going back. Oh, no, I've been kidnapped. That's right. It all happens very fast. (laughs) Alone at the club, 88 Keys and Breathless sing a duet and about unrequited love. And Manny Patinkin has got some fucking pipes. He sure does. He's also got some feelings. He's got a lot of feelings. He's He's clearly in love with Madonna in this scene, and she has fallen for Dick Tracy. Right. Tracy and Breathless meet at the docks, and once again, he's like, I really need you to testify. We really got to get rid of Big (laughs) Boy. You said yes, you said no, then you said yes. What are we doing? Right. He's like, listen, he's going to kill me. And she's like, if I testify, he's going to kill me. He's like, damn it. She's like, (laughs) fine, I'll testify, but I need you to admit that you want me. And he's like, all right, I think about you. but What does that even mean? But I can't say I want you because that's going to hurt someone I love. Who's not here? Who's at her mother's that you just sent her there? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to save the day here and get the big bad who's named Big Boy to admit (laughs) to doing all these bad things. And you have the perfect witness here. Just say you want her. Lie. You don't have to lie. Here's the thing. It's not even a lie. It's not a lie. (laughs) You're hurting a woman who walked in on you kissing this girl already. Like, at this point, double down to save the city. You might as well save the city. Might as well. You can fix it later. Right. 
once he's behind bars, you can be like, all right, so like I said I want you, but the thing is I do really love this girl, so you got to go. You got to go. You know, just for as long as the trial lasts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> After receiving a phone call from No Face, 88 Keys has a guy forge a letter from Tracy to the corrupt DA to meet him at a hotel with $10,000 for bribery reasons. That's right. Then Tracy gets a message to go to Tess's greenhouse, and he's like, oh, cool, we're going to make up. But when he gets there, he gets drugged. He gets poison ivy. He's got a, more a whole less. bunch of hoses with gas, and he right. falls asleep. That's it. Then No Face, wearing Dick Tracy's yellow coat and hat, runs into a hotel and up the stairs before <laughs> any of the employees can see that this person has no face. Dick Tracy, who's never sprinted anywhere in this hotel, probably in his life, nope. has just booked it upstairs. Yeah. And you're like, oh, bye, Dick! So No Face shoots the DA with a silenced gun, and then 88 Keys moves Tracy's drugged body into the room to frame him for the murder of the DA. You got all that? Then, <laughs> 88 Keys screams threats out the door so all the hotel staff hears it, and they call the police. Right. At which point, they fire a gun without a silencer. Right. So they're like, oh, shots are fired. And then, as the police start showing up, No Face and 88 Keys leave, but they make sure to wake up Dick Tracy with a little bit of ammonia. So he is waking up, holding a gun, and the cops are coming in, and they're like, oh, we're going to arrest you for- dead Dork Van Dyke's laying there. Blackmail and murder. We got right. you. We got you yellow-handed. That's right. It's the only way to get him. Actual IMDb trivia fact, Dave. No. I no. Do. I have one. No. No. I do. No. I do. No. Illegal. Right Dork now. Van Dyke- Son of a bitch. Who you only worked on this name. film for three days- Broke his shoulder when he was shooting the scene where his character is murdered by by No Face. How old was he then? I don't he's know. Old as fucking all hell now. But. Yeah. Well, he worked three days and he broke his shoulder doing this scene, and then they used that take for the film. Well, that's just great. Yeah. <laughs> the, the more you know. I guess so. What a career that man's had, where he goes from Dance with Cartoon Penguins and Mary Poppins to getting called Dork Van Dyke and breaking his shoulder. <laughs> what a career. <laughs> Ah, range. That's what that is. I guess so. It's something. The kid is taken to an orphanage, and he's miserable. Big Boy is back in business, and he's thrilled. You know, things have gotten dark. Briefly. Briefly. Right. From the orphanage, the kid calls the police chief and is like, hey, Dick Tracy didn't kill the DA. And the chief's like, all right, kid, I'll pick you up and bring you to the, <laughs> to the prison for New Year's Eve so you can visit Dick Tracy in jail. The chief, Charles fucking Durning. Yes, it is. He stopped looking for frog legs for a hot minute <laughs> and became a police chief of whatever town USA. Chief Brandon. That's right. Never forget. Never ever will. He just believed the child right away and said, I'll come get you. <laughs> I love that. So, <laughs> hey, mister, I don't think that, that Dick Tracy killed that man. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to come pick you up from the orphanage. Right. I'm going to believe you because I gave you a dare certificate <laughs> once, I think. You're an honorary and, officer. I and, have to believe you. You picked a name and- here we are. And here we <laughs> are. The kid tells Dickie he, he has a permanent certificate now because he's finally chosen a name. Dick Tracy Jr. Right. What help well. <laughs> oh, God, Dave, I hate it. Dave, but I love it. Don't you fucking dare. I have to. No. You did it in our Patreon episode this month. I have to do it now. Okay. Okay. No, uh, no, it's deserved. <laughs> and I hate it. Also, the Truman Show is a lot of fun. Yes, it when is. When it does come out at the end of this month. But I hate 
what you've just done. Yeah. I didn't like it when you did it in that movie, but it felt deserved in both instances. I think you're right. Dick Tracy Jr. Here we are. He chose a name. He did it. Now he's a real certified honorary officer. I'm a real boy. There are no strings on me. (laughs) (laughs) On my certificate. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know how any of this works. Tracy, about to be transferred from the city jail to the county jail, is sprung by his former colleagues and given eight hours to prove his innocence. Because. 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 That's the hard <laughs> stop. That's the right way to do it. They said, oh, it's a long commute. It's going to take about, oh, eight hours. And it's one of those things like, Dick, you're free. Do whatever yeah, you want to yeah. do. <laughs> Sam Ketchum's like, it's a long commute. You got eight hours, and I'm going to open this door for you right now. Have a good time. Stop wearing bright yellow, or we're going to yeah. find you real fast. <laughs> as soon as they find out that we don't have you, you're just going to be looking for the dude wearing yellow. Luckily, there's only six colors that exist in this world, so somebody else is probably also oh, absolutely. wearing yellow. <laughs> absolutely. It's good camouflage when you think about it. Even <laughs> Edward Norton, Incredible Hulk, is going to blend in pretty well here. Yeah, he's, at least a sixth of people are wearing what he's wearing. Exactly. That is an old joke that is from this show. one of our oldest. <laughs> Was it episode four? I think so. Something stupid like that? It's almost as old as the Favreau salute. God. All right. (laughs) Those old episodes are tough to listen to. Have fun if you want to dive that far back. Good luck. Godspeed. Enjoy? That's the right reaction (laughs) to that. Dick Tracy storms into Mumble's apartment because that's where you go first. Because we're paying Dustin Hoffman to be in this movie and we probably should use him. He's demanding to find out who set him up. And he's threatening to play a recording that he has from the first time he interrogated him, where Mumbles implicates Big Boy if he doesn't comply. He implicates him because he's mumbling, but then Dick Tracy slows down the recording and says, Big Boy did it. Yeah. Well, that was easy. How about that? And Mumbles breaks. It's funny because in the first scene of the interrogation, you have the stenographer in there, and it's Kathy fucking Bates. Who had just starred in Misery with James Caan. Right. This year. Look at you. You're like a living IMDb trivia fact. She won Best Actress or Supporting she Actress? She did. I believe it was Best Actress. It was this year. I know that. Yeah. Same year. Same year. And she was so baffled by everything he was saying. She couldn't write down anything as a stenographer, but it turns out that all you have to do is slow down the tape. So, you know. There you go. I guess they got it anyway. Yeah. Got it. But yeah, Mumbles breaks immediately, and he breaks to the point where he's no longer mumbling. No, and I love this turn so it's damn so much good. by Dustin Hoffman. This is a great choice. Absolutely. He speaks perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. And he's like, yeah, big boy paid 88 keys to get you out of the way. Done. Do with it what you will. Bye. <laughs> Back to mumbling. Then there's a whole shootout outside Club Ritz. The police and Dick Tracy gun down most of big boy's men. Violently. V- very violently. There's explosions and gunfire and people getting shot And everywhere. Tess is being held hostage in a weird room that's like, a prison with no exits on the top floor? Right. I don't know. It's confusing. Yep. But we have Tess there. And here we are. Big Boy finds her in this vault, and he takes her hostage, and he's like, I didn't want to do this. This wasn't my plan, but you're my hostage now. That's right. And the whole time, you have Sam Ketchum. He's driving Warren Beatty to where Tess is kidnapped. Yes. And Warren Beatty is, he might as well be mumbling to himself in the backseat, trying to figure out the situation that he's in, saying, Well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, (laughs) but the enemy of my enemy is my enemy. And I love how Sim Ketchum catches on to the coordinates of it. He's like, yeah, the enemy is his enemy's enemy. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) This is just a guy talking in the backseat at this point. Yeah. This movie is incredibly self-aware. Big time. And I always love how 
Warren Beatty shows up. They they get Tess out of there. I don't remember how, but she escapes with Big Boy in like this mine cart or whatever yeah. it is. I don't know what it is. And they, they go like through the club again as he's like, this room's not good enough, I guess. It was like a trap maybe to get Dick Tracy into this one giant room, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah. To trap him even though he was in jail. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> airtight movie. Stop it. Right. All these Stop astronauts it. are breathing fine. Right. And- and Dick Tracy's now stuck in this room. He's like, ah, oh, the ceiling's like 20 feet. And he starts doing math in a notebook asking his buddy, <laughs> like, how much do you weigh? And the guy starts lying about his weight, even though he's clearly going to use this to launch himself out. And he tells him, yeah, you're good enough. Jump. And he launches himself out of this inescapable room. Yes. To which now his buddy is trapped in. And Dick Tracy doesn't Just acknowledge him, him there. At all. <laughs> doesn't acknowledge it at all. He's like, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Without saying that. Dick Tracy now has to hunt down. Big Boy and Tess ends up going through the club again. Right. To which Breathless is there and it's like, they went through there. She's like, the wine room. The wine cellar. To which Dick Tracy goes the other way because why wouldn't you? And she's like, you don't believe me. And he's like, ah, okay, I guess I'll believe you. And then he can't figure out the wine cellar trapdoor. <laughs> uh, is it the one section all where all naught. the bottles are messed up? It's Probably not. all for naught because he ends up believing Breathless but then can't figure out the codex that is the wine cellar trapdoor and then runs outside anyway and goes up to the roof because i guess that's where you go i guess so the tick style i guess i don't know <laughs> and he's like i need a better van there they point. are got him spoon let's go there <laughs> so big boy is taking tess to the drawbridge but it's up so he can't escape so he brings her inside the drawbridge mechanisms right i love how he goes up the drawbridge like we're gonna jump we can make it and he gets to the edge he's like no we're not gonna make it nope <laughs> he bails on it so they go inside and there's all these gears and he's like this is perfect i'm gonna tie you up i love how after tess gets tied up on this gear or whatever it is the workings of it al pacino just takes a sweet time saying i have a thought it's coming to me i'm about to have a thought yes it's gone. And then he carries on with the movie. That was the whole, like, they cut back to him for him to say that, and then they cut away. Like, that was the whole scene. That's amazing. Was him contemplating having a thought as an actor. I was like, oh, we're going to get some sort of development here. No. They let it die, and Al Pacino lets it die. It was so good. And it's just a, a cinematic masterpiece of it's the scene. Easily the least important thing in the entire movie. And somehow every editor was like, keep it. I need to keep that right now. That is, that is perfection. That's what's going to get him the Oscar. That's right. <laughs> oh, Joe Pesci's doing a mafia movie too? Fuck! Oh, well, at least he'll Come get on. nominated. Damn it. <laughs> oh, damn it. Pesci again. Got him. Every time, that Pesci. So Tracy catches up to Big Boy, and they fight. And it's a fight. Sure. Bam. It's something. And That's then, for sure. And then after their little scuffle... He's, he goes to untie Tess, and that's when No-Face shows up, firing a warning shot at Big Boy. Right. And No-Face tells Tracy to pick up a pipe and kill Big Boy. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's not why I'm here. I'm nope. a cop. I'm, I'm the good guy. I'm, I'm the good guy. Go I wear yellow people. like all cops. I'm not a killer. I'm supposed to bring him to justice. Right. So No-Face is like, all right, well, I'm going to shoot you. And then the kid comes out of nowhere because... Everybody's meeting up at the same spot now. That's usually how it works out in these movies. Time, yes. The kid tackles No-Face. Right. So everybody's like, all right. Whew. The drama. But then Big Boy shoots No-Face. Right. So then Tracy, he's got to sock Big Boy in the face. And then Big Boy falls to his death. So right. He falls he down kills all the gears anyway. or whatever. It's like, 
So what do we just accomplish here? Tracy's like, I'm not going to kill him. All right, I'll kill him. <laughs> uh, we've accomplished nothing except getting no face shot. Right. Right. No face has been shot. And yes, that, that's what we accomplished. That is it. Yeah. And then we ended up killing Big Boy anyway. Exactly. So Tracy finally frees Tess, and then he goes to unmask No-Face, Scooby-Doo style. That's right. And he's shocked to find out that it is Madonna. That's right. It is Breathless Mahoney. Did you know? I had no idea. Really? Not a clue. I love hearing that. And, and you know what? There was like a toy company that apparently ruined this this. They spoiled it. That tends to happen. Toy companies always be spoiling movies. That's right. But they did it with action figures that were released before the movie came out. <laughs> That's usually how they do it. But it's like right now when it happens, they usually time the release. So like at least the movie's out when the sure. spoiler toys come out. But no, this was like they were selling a no-faced action figure. And when you bought it, you could take the face off and there was a Madonna face under it. Yeah, that'll do it every single time. Whoops. Yeah, it's definitely Madonna. It and is- I love the look on Tess's face of like, oh, God damn it. This bitch. <laughs> and Dick Tracy's like, call an ambulance. She's like, oh, do I have to? Okay, She's fine. Right, I'm going to go outside. Try not to fuck her while I'm gone, Dick. <laughs> Breathless tells Dick that he was her only mistake. She could have run this city. She wonders if anything could have happened between them, to which he says nothing. He even says, like, it was a good plan. Like solid plan, actually. You know what? Good on you. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna die, but boy, out of all the plans I've heard to run a city, that's the tops. You came kid. closest, other than that one guy who was running it for a while. Correct. <laughs> Besides the guy but who you were like, ended up doing it right there. Pretty good. Good Pretty job. Pretty good. Good job. She's like, hey, by the way, do you think we ever would have if? Uh... And he's like, I'm just gonna wait for you to die, so I don't have to answer that question. Yep. That's you know what? <laughs> Smart move. And she kisses him. Or yep. he kisses. There's a kiss. There's a kiss. There's, it seems like a mutual kiss. Right. Because Tess is outside, so it's fine. Uh, it's not an area code rule here. This is not road <laughs> trip. That's not how that works. <laughs> and uh, then she dies. She sure does. And he's like, whew, all right. Dodged that bullet. Stands up. He goes outside, and there's Tess. And he's like, all right, let's hug it out. <laughs> you don't know that I just kissed the dead woman inside. <laughs> right. She was alive. I promise when I kissed her. I mean, I didn't kiss her. <laughs> But also, I didn't kiss her. Right. Later on, they go to a diner. It's, it's the same diner. The Don't same say diner. a diner. It's the same diner. Of it's course. Always, it's always, Mike's diner. It's the diner in, in the city. Just assume if I say a diner, it's the diner. Fair enough. Tracy, Tess, and the kids share a meal. It's, it's adorable. Tracy gives the kid a wrist radio, and he's like, oh, I'm part of the team. Yeah. Neat. Even now, me today, who's seen this movie countless times, yeah. is so jealous of that kid getting that wrist radio. It's pretty cool. So jealous. Apparently, they, they still sell them. They made a ton of merchandise for this movie. Yes, they did. They still sell them. You can find them for basically the same price. eBay, 35 bucks. I bet. Google it now. <laughs> Someone says, was Dick Tracy the character who invented the smartwatch? Kind of. Checks out. I mean, the wrist radios they have here on eBay for 30 bucks, they just they look like toys. Oh, well, yeah. Like, it has an orange strap. Oh, you wanted a real and one? It looks like a fucking... Tamagotchi or whatever. <laughs> like, it doesn't look like anything from the movie. Yeah, that checks out, actually. No, thank you. Pass. All right, that's fair. <laughs> Dick Tracy then attempts to stumble through the most awkward and unsatisfying marriage proposal of all time to Tess. It's not great. But is interrupted when his wrist radio goes off about a robbery in progress. Right. And apparently in 1990, this was like an inside joke about Warren Beatty, how 
he fucked so hard <laughs> that he could never commit to one girl. Oh. And here, as he's stumbling over, this is apparently like a funny thing. I'm not kidding. I, I read this, and this was like a, an in-joke, if you will. Really? But can you imagine that you fuck so hard that <laughs> you write a joke about it in a movie that you're going to direct going like, I fuck so hard. Watch me stumble over these lines talking to a gal. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Get it? So he like gets up to leave, and he, he starts to walk out with the kid because he's like, yeah, robbery. Come on, kid. And then he, he stops at the door, he turns around, and he, he tosses Tess a ring. Oh, says, I love this line, man. I, it still gets me. It still gets me today. You're one in a million. I love it. Hated it. Hated it. You are heartless, and that's fine. No. The thing is, I have a heart, so I wanted a real proposal. Why? But Dick Tracy, the whole time, has not been able to talk to a, to Tess about anything. Yeah. And here, you're one in a million. I'm going to fall back on my lines here because that's the best I can do. I'm Dick Tracy. You're right. You're right. Shame on me for wanting character development. At the end, the characters developed. We did it. No, he's you the want same, closure. He's the same character. Well, sequels. There's, sequels there's, are uh, important, and we'll get there. <laughs> oh, will we? I keep hearing we'll get there, but I don't know that we ever get there. We will. All right. Trust me. Sort of. Trust me. That's it. That's the movie. That is Dick Tracy from 1990. Brian, I adore this movie. It's so good. It's so much fun. I can't believe I've never seen this movie. There are so many people who haven't seen this movie, and it's criminal. I don't know why this movie isn't more popular than it is. It should be extremely popular, and it was extremely popular. It had a huge marketing push behind it, which helped it a Massive. lot. It fell off very quickly. I want to say producer Matt Cowan asked us about our favorite movie poster of all time. Was it him? It might have been. And the Dick Tracy poster has to be up there on the list for me. Okay. It's pretty good. It's extremely good. Pretty good. The NES game? Sucks a pile of dicks. Like, that is a <laughs> miserable game. But Dick Tracy's got a special place in my heart, man. Like, this it's one of those movies that I grew up with. It is on the level of Rocketeer. It is on the level yeah. of Who Framed Roger Rabbit for me. Is it a good movie? Meh. Meh. No, but... Is it a great movie? Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. absolutely. Like, I'm hard-pressed to find movies that I enjoy more than watching these nostalgia trips. Like, yeah. the, that's what they are for me at this point. Of course. They are full-blown nostalgia trips. You're going to have to fight me when we do the super stuff score. <laughs> okay. I promise it's... you that. I said last week, I think we're either going to break the score a little bit or we're going to be bottoming out. We're not bottoming out. I can tell you that. Perfect. I That's what I'm really happy to hear. don't think we're going to break it, though. Ah, it's also what I didn't want to hear. It is what it is. Like, it, it's, yeah. This movie is iconic, and I feel like it should be even more iconic than it is. I agree. It should be. Especially for the cast and also the visuals and the music and everything behind it. The yeah. production style. Yeah. It does go under the radar. Big time. Which is crazy to me. Criminally so. That's a great way to put it for a cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100. Where do you think it falls? 80. Way too high. 60. 63%. I was see my second guest. Audience scores 53%. Oh, wow. Roger Ebert saw this movie, and he gave it four out of four stars. Look at that. Stars. He likes it. Hey, Roger. He loves it. This one is a bit wordy, and you're all just going to have to deal with it, because I love the movie and <laughs> suck it. And I read the, the <laughs> reviews, so listen up. He says, there always was something inbred about the Dick Tracy comic strip. Some suggestion that all of its characters had been mutated by some cosmic ray and then locked together in a bizarre loony bin of crime. Yeah. 
Tracy was the first comic strip I enjoyed after I outgrew funny animals, and what struck me was the physical appearance of the characters always mirrored their souls or occupations. <laughs> they looked like what they were, and what you saw was what you got, from the square-jawed Tracy barking into his wrist radio to prune face, flat top, and others. Warren Beatty really captured yeah. the spirit of what this comic was. And it sounds like Roger Ebert was already a fan going in. Oh, yes. He goes on to say, Warren Beatty's production of Dick Tracy approaches the material with the same fetishistic glee I felt when I was reading the strip. All that is a sentence uh, that was uttered by Roger Ebert. peak Roger, actually. There it is. He says, the Tracy stories didn't depend really on plot. Damn right. (laughs) They were too spun out for that. And of course, they didn't depend on suspense. Tracy always won. What they were about was the interaction of these grotesque people doomed by nature to wear their souls on their faces. We see this process at work in one of the film's first scenes where a poker game is in progress and everyone on the table looks like a sideshow attraction from little face whose features are at the middle of the sea of dissipation to the brow who always in deep shallow thought because <laughs> of the folds because of the folds forehead. on his forehead he goes on further to complete this movie saying that tracy's a masterpiece of studio artificiality Oh, which i yes. fully agree with because of everything we talked about with miniatures and i Matt like the Payton. way that's said roger loved this movie and I get it. I get it. it I it's very not surprising. much get it. He's one of those guys who appreciates the art for what it is. And a movie that knows what it is. Exactly. And the movie that this thing got compared to most is how Ebert sandwiched his review because he said, Dick Tracy, which is a sweeter, more optimistic movie, outdoes even Batman Ho-ho. in the visual department. And Batman, as we have talked about, is groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. They're different, though. One is a comic book movie, and one is a superhero movie. Yes. And realistically, when you look at our show, who discusses comic book movies and superhero movies. That's us. It's really interesting to look at Dick Tracy versus Batman. Yeah. And especially when it comes to the style that is behind both. Because you have Warren Beatty, who's pulling out a true comic book style, where you have Tim Burton, who's trying to dive into the Denny O'Neill gothic style. Right, the the gothic. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting dynamic it's fascinating because both movies are gorgeous exactly but for completely different reasons exactly again in one year apart yeah dick tracy came out because batman crushed it practically the same score that's right (laughs) they're a little different they are different i think that the score behind dick tracy falls more of like an alan silvestri roger rabbit type style yeah where it has the tones of the 30s if you will yeah which is a very fun aspect in itself and we'll get there we sure will roger love this movie people who also love this movie are everyone on amazon.com all of them 4.7 out of 5 2200 reviews 82 percent are five star one percent are one star people said it's ridiculous that's their one star oh this is ridiculous the one i read specifically said this is ridiculous but you already know that all right they understand what this movie is and respect it for what it is, and I love that. Makes your job easy. It does. I got nothing else. Why don't we give this thing a super stuff score? We could do that, but first... And now for another edition of the K-Podcasters Theater. That was my itchy. That's the, I thought I that was gonna clogging say, you my did nose itchy. would do it, and I'm still not even close. Send in your itchies. Listen to itchy and then send in your itchies. Listen to some itchy. Send in some itchy. (laughs) 
Don't do scratchy. Don't do it. <laughs> That's a nice. Simpsons joke. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> for this edition of Cape Podcasters Theater, we are once again, of course, turning to Keaton Patty for his wonderful bot scripts. They're the best. At Keaton Patty on Twitter. He's got a book. Go find it. I forced a bot to write this book, AI Meets BS. He's the best. Dave, I have a question for you. Okay. What we're doing here is I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of police shows and then asked it to write a police show of its own. Here's the first page. Okay. Do you want to be the good cop or the Brad cop? I'm going to go good cop because I think you're expecting me to want to be the bad cop. Yeah, you, you read that one. <laughs> All right. Fair. All right. Uh, in this, I will be doing the narration. You'll be doing the part of good cop and crime freak. That's dead on. And I'll be doing- I live my life, really. Brad cop and the ground. <laughs> the ground. Yeah, you'll see. We'll get there. Okay. Police show. Interior interrogation broom. Two cops, good cop and Brad cop, question crime freak. Good cop is dressed nicely. Brad cop is dressed Bradley. Have a coffee. You are loved by me. Good cop gives crime freak a cup of fresh squeezed coffee. Have a hernia, ass friend. (laughs) Tell us why you kidnapped Lake Michigan to death. I'm so Brad at you. So Brad. Brad cop elbows crime freak in both eyes. Crime freak blocks with his eyelids. Brad Cop respects this, and only this. I want my lawyer. I want your lawyer. I want infinity lawyers. Yes way, Jose, if I may speak Spanish. Good Cop gives Crime Freak a cup of fresh-squeezed lawyers. Crime Freak sips it and learns (laughs) the good amendments. Brad Cop knocks the cup on the ground. The ground becomes a lawyer. Objection. The jury is too sober. There is no jury, but the ground is not wrong. It never is. We have all the evidence we need to give you the death penalty. <laughs> we have your fingerprints from your skin hand. Cares who? You're not so Brad. Crime Freak spits at Brad Cop. This is not expected. Crime Freak spit should have been confiscated. Brad Cop <laughs> pulls out a bullet and aims it at Crime Freak. Stop, partner. Let's all clam down. <laughs> Mistrial. The judge is too judgy. The ground is not wrong. It is a lawyer. It has a secretary. <laughs> Nailed it. Again. Of course he did. Keen Patty. Brad Cop. Brad Cop. <laughs> That's amazing. Super stuff score? Let's give it now? a super stuff score. Do it? Yeah, we could do that. Sweet. Story motivation. It's okay at absolute best. Yeah. It's not really so much about the plot. No, it's not. It and really even Roger isn't. Ebert said that. He so. openly said it. I'm going to go .25. Like, there's not a lot happening here. Walnuts are the MacGuffin. Walnuts are, yeah. And that's a problem. Circumstantial walnuts. (laughs) It's kind of convoluted, the back and forth. And yeah, it's... Yeah, there is a story. I promise it's not a very great one. It's It's not not difficult to follow. Yeah, it's uh, it's not done very well, though. But it's, yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, 0.25. 0.25. Protagonist. It's Dick Tracy. I guess hero. He saves the day. Yeah, he saves the day. He stops... Big boy from taking over the city? <laughs> I guess so. And he gets to hook up a couple times. Yeah. Once with a, with a dead Madonna. That's right. She wasn't dead yet. Right. Very important not to note. Not dead yet. She's not quite dead yet. He's still only okay for the most part. Yeah. I mean, his heart's in the right place, except for when it comes to Tess and Breathless. Well, I mean, I get it. It's a Robin Williams joke of you got two heads and only enough blood for one of them. So, it's, I mean, <laughs> that is a... that's really how he's operating this movie. Sure. I'm going to go 0.5. Okay. I'll allow it. I like that. 0.5. I love this movie. 
villains. It's how fucking Pacino. It is. And he is just- I'm going to start at one. <laughs> He's Oscar nominated. Oscar nominated. And this is like the big Pacino turn. Yeah. I'm going to go two. Two. Big boy. I love it. Two for I Big Boy. I love it boy. so much. And and everything that Roger Ebert said about how all these guys personify their wickedness on their it's yeah. I think two is great for, for the villains of this movie. Parents. We don't know anything about them, zero. This is zero. Female characters. This is interesting. This is very this tricky is interesting to do. We don't have many. We don't. We only have two that Let's are actually really named. Focus on the two. Okay. That's where it should be. Is Tess, I think, is very strong. I think she gets walked all over. And she gets walked all over, and that's a problem. Yeah. Because she is set up to be strong, and then she doesn't know how to deal with Dick Tracy. Which is no idea. makes sense, because I don't know that Dick Tracy knows how to deal with females. Exactly. So, But then you also have Breathless. You have Breathless. Who, who is, is so over the top, and there's nothing yes. subtle about her. No. And it's entirely by design, and they're not hiding I it agree. at all. All. Madonna has her own unique variety of empowerment where she weaponizes her sexuality and she's unashamed about it. And I think that's actually a positive thing. I think it's a major positive yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, she does what she wants to do and she's not ashamed of it. And how about that twist at the end? How about that twist at the end that she was this close to taking over the whole city? I'm going to go one. I think, ooh, I don't know about a one. I will go 0.75. All right. Because here's the thing. I think- Madonna's character is very well done, but I also know that it wasn't written by a female. Very, It wasn't very written by a woman, true. and Madonna worked for scale. She made $35,000 in this movie. Which is nuts to me. Which is crazy, but I imagine she cleaned up with her, her album, uh, with the tie-in album that had Vogue on it. That'll do it. Went double platinum. Yeah. Only. She, yeah. She, she did fine. She did okay. She had a career after this, for sure. So what did we say, 0.75? Yes, we did. Okay. I'll allow it. It seems high, but I'll allow it. Yeah, we're about to go a little wild, so. Setting. Now, here's the weird thing about setting. We don't know the city we're in. We don't. They just call it the city. But I think we need to tie setting and style and tone together a little bit. Uh, not so much time together, but there is definitely some overlap here. Because there is. There is. This city is so well done. It's definitely been thought out. Without a doubt. So and it's... it looks amazing. For what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. So it almost makes sense they didn't name it, so it could be Comic Book City anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go .75 because style and tone is coming. Yeah. And style and tone yeah. is going to- It's going to be a big one. Break some things, I think. Yeah. And that's okay with me. .75. Style and tone. Three. Whoa! The rare three. I've only thrown it out once, and it was on a Patreon episode. Oh, that's and it was Willy Wonka music. And I'm throwing it out again for Dick Tracy for what it did, because it is a true comic book movie. It is three. So it is extremely high. I have openly told you that three movies have raised me. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Well, four, because I will count Wizard of Oz in there as well. It's fair. And then later on, as I discovered film, Clockwork Orange became another big one in my life. But so fine. But like. Really three. But, but like three, mostly. <laughs> this is one of those movies where I realized what style and tone actually was growing up. How things actually serve a purpose to what you're seeing on screen. There's a reason why things are done the way they are. It's to portray the story. It's to portray the style and the tone that 
you're supposed to get. I understood that this thing is a comic book movie. And even at a young age watching this thing and even reading anything at all you can find about it, it says the first thing is they used comic book tones. Right, right. It is a true comic book movie. And there's something to be said about getting nominations for Best Costume Design and Best Cinematography and winning (laughs) Best Art Direction and Best Makeup. I'd say, if you don't feel comfortable with three, I'm okay with a two-five. I mean, three is so high. I'm not convinced it's not a three. But. But it's, oh, man. Uh, I'll go with dirty three if that's what you're going with. I think two-five. I'll settle for a two-five. I think two-five still gives it its due. That's fine. I hate it, but I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's more than a two, so really you won. Fair enough. <laughs> Music. Danny Elfman always starts at a one, Danny, as we all know, that's by, true. The, by the law. The, of the law land. of Elfman's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at a one. Yeah. No, I want to go to one five. <laughs> oh, I had to watch your reaction there because I know, I know I just tried to pull a three off. Okay. And now I feel like I'm like teetering. You're, yeah, a yeah. little bit. I'm on the. I'm ready to pounce. Yeah, I got to be careful. Okay. I'm gonna go one five. Yeah, I mean, you have Danny fucking Elfman, <laughs> who I was actually on record as saying, Warren is insane. <laughs> he said those words. Yeah. Then you have Stephen fucking Sondheim. Yes, you do. Who wrote five songs for this movie. He got nominated for two of them. Yes, he did. He won. He was Grammy nominated. He won Best Original Song. He won the Oscar for Best yes, Original Song. Yes, he did. Song. He got actually two Golden Globe nominations now, for it. here's the thing. We have new mics here in the, the Fortress. Yeah. And I think you heard me say one five. But it, it was definitely two. That's what I was saying. I'm going to pause you there. Okay. Because I'm going to stay at 1-5 for a second. Okay. Until? Ma-fucking-Donna. It is Ma-fucking-Donna. <laughs> so where are you going? She put out a tie-in album, music from and inspired by Dick Tracy, called I'm Breathless. And it was the double platinum album that included the song Vogue. Which is a big song. It's a very big song. Put it really lightly. Yeah, it's a two. Okay. It's a two. I love it. I won't argue against you. One-liners. I'm going to go .25 and leave it for the enemy of my enemy is my enemy. Okay. Because it's great. It's funny. It's it's just a wrong take on a known line. but Which is great. I, I suppose. But it's iconic in this movie because of the weight that they put on it for whatever reason. I don't know what iconic is when it comes to this movie because this movie disappeared. It did. It's one in a million. It's one in a million. <laughs> When do we eat? 0.25, like I said. 0.25. 30 seconds, no more dick. 30 seconds, no more dick. Can't believe that's a line in this movie. Yeah. I can't believe it's a repeated line in this movie. How about that? I should say. Final category is impact on the genre. This might be one of the more tricky ones to discuss. This is tough. Because this movie did go away. It did. It undoubtedly went away. But. But while it was here, it had an impact. The movie is often looked at as a flop, which is nuts because it did cost $47 million to make. Yep. And it made $162 million. They put the same amount of marketing into this movie as they did Batman 1989. Which is a lot. And it was a lot. And it did not live up to the hype. No. No. This movie comes out, stylistically, it's just raved about. Obviously wins three Oscars. Right. Which wouldn't happen again until Black Panther. And then it I mean, it went away after it won. It yeah. just went away. And you don't see a lot of other comic book movies even attempting to do this kind of thing. Like, you might be able to make an argument for 300 or Sin City. 
That's as but close as you're going to get. Even things then, that are trying not... to be true yeah. comic book. I think that this thing though is a major trendsetter. I think it showed that you could take the smaller strips and run with them. I think it showed that you could take non-established properties and run with them because when you do drop the 300 and the Sin City, they're more independent. They're not your Batman. They're not your Superman. That's true. They're not your Spider-Man. But they didn't do them for like 15 more years. You got to start somewhere. I just don't know that there was a direct influence. It pains me, but I'll go point five. Yeah. Because I think the style. The style. Yeah, the style. Uh, that's the it thing. It has an. Im- <sighs> it has such a uh, such a huge amount of style that you cannot overlook it. You can't. But at the same time, nobody else is doing it. Correct. So. I think people are afraid to do it. I think you're right. It's a huge risk. It's a massive risk, and this thing pulled it off. You leave it to Warren, Warren Beatty, Warren Beatty pulled to, it off to be like, ah, fuck it, I'll do it. <laughs> what do I have to lose? I'm gonna go point five. It's a safe spot. It is safe. It seems low, but at the same time feels high. Yeah. So maybe it's the right spot. It, it might be. There you go. That's probably the hardest super stuff score we've ever had to to work through. It because was tricky of, to put it lightly. I I fanboyed. I it know is that and all over the place. That's okay. Yeah, but the final score, whoo, for Dick Tracy, it's a nine and a half. I love it, and that is that is so high. So high. <laughs> that is so high. <laughs> I've never been happier. But there you go. I mean, and it's funny because there were categories that didn't do well, and then there were categories that were amazing, and I think that is. The perfect summation of this movie. No, I think it nailed it. Yeah. I told you, this thing's probably going to break it or bottom out. And, and what, did, what did it do? It, it just in both almost got perfect. <laughs> it got so damn close to perfect. And in my mind, this thing is a perfect movie. Still. It's very good. Why haven't they made more of them then? They almost did. <laughs> Warren Beatty still owns the rights to Dick Tracy. Yeah, he does. I, I don't know how. Because... I don't. Well, I do know how because Tribune Media was going to take the rights back. Yes. And then Warren Beatty put out this garbage, like, 30-minute Dick Tracy special. That uh, nobody saw. Nobody saw it. It aired once on on Turner Classic Movies. Right, and it was good enough to keep the rights. And, yeah, they were like, you fulfilled your contractual obligation to retain the rights. Even though they kept asking him things like, are you going to make another movie? He's like, yeah. They're like, tell us about it. He's like, I don't like to talk about movies before I make them. (laughs) I've been in Hollywood a long time. And then they were like, when are you going to make it? And he's like, I don't know. It takes me a while. I'll get there. And they're like, (laughs) he's... He's holding our rights hostage. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. It's like a Zorro situation, but with Dick Tracy. Exactly. I can't believe this is the third week in a row we've been talking about contracts. It's amazing, right? Fuck. (laughs) And if you want to bring up the producer, Matt Cowan, again, he wants to know from Facebook, did you have any Dick Tracy promotional cups from McDonald's? No. I think I did growing up because I like vaguely remember some sort of promotional cup in my house. Yeah. Couldn't tell you the last time I saw it. I know I didn't have Dick Tracy promotional cups, but my next door neighbor did. Really? So I have seen the cups, at least one of them. If you go on eBay right now, you could buy a set of two for like 20 bucks. Oh. So there's that. I mean, 1990s lead paint McDonald's cups. Yes, please. That's what's up. That's real French fries, though. That is real French fries. That's when they still had the real thing and before they made the big change. That's right. I think that was Have You Had Your Break Today. That one. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I meant that was the, the era of change was when they brought in Justin Timberlake's little ditty. Did he write that ditty? It, it comes from one of his songs, yeah. Really? Yeah, I think he probably makes royalties on it to this day. Holy shit, like he needs them. Right? All right. Of all people. 
I guess the next big question is, what are we talking about next week? Next week, as you can see from the calendar we put up on Facebook at the beginning of the month, we're going to be talking about Megamind. Ooh. Will Ferrell? Will Ferrell. Animated. Fantastic. You ever seen it? I have seen it, and I remember nothing. Oh, good. So We're going to be at the same spot thing, because I've never seen it okay. before. I remember nothing. Perfect. Should be fun. Megamind. I, I do like Will Ferrell. So. Who doesn't? That's good. Really? Yeah. Next week, Megamind. Can't wait. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on all of them. Every single one of them. You can like and follow us on our social media, at Kate Podcasters, on all of them, for the most part. Some you might not even expect, like Letterboxd. That's right. That's there. <laughs> it's all there. You can find links to all of our specific pages on our website, katepodcasters.com. And while you're there, you can check out our Patreon. Our Patreon is putting out some absolute bangers. He have been crushing it lately. And that's not coming from us. That's coming from the people who listen to Patreon. <laughs> Patrons. Everyone else, turn off. This isn't for you. Patrons. Thank you so much for the stuff that you're saying about the Patreon episodes. Yes. We think it's our best stuff, too. All right, everyone else can tune back in. You guys should join Patreon to hear some, some of the stuff. Some people are saying it's the best <laughs> stuff we're doing. We made a promise to every one of our listeners week one when we did Batman that every single week we were going to have an episode. Yep. This is 118 straight weeks. Social lives be damned. Where we put out an, a brand new episode, brand new content, yeah. and it's our promise to you. And that's the way it should be. You guys are gracious enough to give us your time. That is life's precious commodity right there is your time. And you're listening to our stupid show <laughs> with your time on this earth. And we can't even tell you how much we appreciate that. Yeah. There's more that you can listen to on Patreon. And we would really, really appreciate your support. For as little as $1 a month, you can get a whole lot more content. Four completely original shows. That's the goal. We figure you pay for it, we're going to give you the goods. We're not one of those shows that's going to take six months off or whatever and not put anything else out. That's not right. That's not, that's not the way we're going to do things. That's not the way we've ever done things. We appreciate you guys more than you can ever imagine. We're going to give you content on content. We love doing it. Yeah. We love seeing the emails that you guys send in that we don't read about how we understand 2020 was a garbage fucking year and we were able to give you a laugh or teach you something about a movie or anything. Like, yeah, I mean, we're barely educational. We're just here to entertain you. <laughs> we're here to give you some exactly. ha-has and some yucks. That's some yucks. really what we're here for. Get you through the day. Go to Patreon. Take a look. We've put out some episodes on the main channel, especially like Willy Wonka has been there. And I think Walk Hard might have been there briefly as well. We might have done that for a little bit, yeah. But give it a go. Dollar a month. Yep, it there's... goes a long way. We appreciate you guys so much just even listening here. And if you guys want to hear more, there's more. Right. There's always more. There's a year's worth of content already there, and we're not stopping, not slowing down. We're so. not stopping. We're not slowing down. Again, we're keeping our promise to you guys. You guys have graciously given us your time. Yeah. And we very much appreciate that. And Big time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Also, stay tuned later this week for more WandaVision. I, we're still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> this seems like a good time to announce. Yeah. In March... We will be doing weekly episodes <laughs> for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's right. We already don't have the time, but but hey, WandaVision, you guys are responding so well to it that we're diving right back in. Might as well. We might as well. It seems like a good time to announce 
that Loki? in May, Loki's <laughs> coming out, allegedly. Uh, and then probably eventually, like, Miss Marvel. And, probably yeah, the what-ifs. You know. We'll see. We'll see what And if happens. Marvel ever decides to take a break, maybe we'll do some other stuff. Like, maybe we'll know, take a break then, too. Umbrella Academy, the boys? Who knows? Maybe. Who but... knows what we might do? Who knows? I don't. We haven't discussed it yet. We really haven't. I just sprung that on him live. <laughs> Keep listening. Write in. Tell us what you think we should cover. Yeah. I can promise you right now the Phantom's on the list. Speaking of writing Spoiler in. Spoiler alert. <laughs> speaking of writing in, we have two emails. First one comes in from Jeff Miners. Didn't and, he uh, recommend the Phantom? He, that's now on said list? He did recommend the Phantom. Damn it, Jeff. And, and uh, thank you. And hello. Remember how earlier you said that that sometimes we just- out of the ass. We talk out yeah, of the ass. Well, Ventura style. He might have called me on it. Oh? Hey there, Cape Podcasters. This is your- Friend, Cthusius Jeff again. Loves your episode of Mask of Zorro. Though I think I would rank the movie more around a six. I understand the movie has problems. The, yes. The yes, reason... to put it lightly, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reason I'm emailing you is because Brian said this was Catherine Zeta-Jones' premiere role. You did say that out loud with your mouth. That is incorrect because she starred in five other films before The Mask of Zorro. Hey, that's a lot. Yeah. That's like an established career's worth of films. Including, wait for it, The Phantom starring Billy Zane. <laughs> I love how he's doubling oh, down man. on the Phantom. <laughs> so we may get to talk about that gorgeous, talented actress once again. I don't have a crush on her. I totally have a crush on her. Shh. I won't tell. I won't tell the old man that is Michael Douglas. He can't hear. He's and old. now, a wed bed behead of Antonio Banderas' roles. Fantastic! The Mask of Zorro, Desperados, and Philadelphia. Sweet Jesus. Yeah. Because I like the flair and the exotic locale. Yep, yep, yep. Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> I am 100% going to bed Desperado. Mm. Mostly because I don't trust him enough. I like that and it move, seems actually. Like, it seems like Alejandro and Zorro's got his life together at the end. He's got that big old That's true. hacienda. Yeah. I could live there. Definitely. I'll get pillars and fake backgrounds of stars and whatnot all the time. <laughs> I can't wait. It'll be great. We can cut holes in the wall and look out on the-, on the... That's right. The dream, they call it. That's what they call it. That's right. And then- that, uh, well, obviously. Behead the, the Philadelphia. <laughs> obviously. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's probably the safest move. It is definitely the safest move. Yeah, I think he answered that one right. Go me. He says, anyway, love the show. Like always, keep up the great work. Much love. Thank you for writing. Thanks, Jeff. That was a good That was a good one. Phantom's on the list. We added it. because It is on the list. There's no reason not to, really. Exactly. Our second email comes from Michael P.S. Warren. Hi, Michael. He writes, dear caped podcasters, Dick Tracy is known not only for his yellow hat and overcoat, but also his huge rogues gallery. So I thought I would ask not one, not two, but three wed bed beheads. This is my dream. Yeah, here we go. Number one, little face, the brow rodent. Holy crap. That's hard. Stop putting things that are so good together yeah. all the time. <laughs> uh, now do... knowing that little face is a child. Yes. <laughs> in big man costume. Yeah. Gonna have to kill it. As soon as I knew going to have it to was a child, I knew I had to murder it. I feel like I'm gonna bed the rodent, and it's mostly because looking at the prosthetics on the brow, I'm not sure that it will be able to react, and I'll just feel inadequate, and I don't need that in yeah, my life. sure. So marry it instead. <laughs> so I'm gonna marry it instead. <laughs> I like that answer. I'm gonna, yeah. 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 There you go. If Littleface wasn't a child- There'd be potential I, there. Well, it's a child, so I don't want to even think about potential. Uh, I'm just saying, like, uh, a grown man with a tiny face. 
Brian, why are you pulling out a Subway sandwich while you're saying this? Whoa. This is bizarre. Whoa. We never eat on Mike, Br- uh, Brian. My, what my are you bad. doing? The second wet bed behead. <laughs> Itchy, flat top, and mumbles. Oh, God. Okay. Wow. Well, flat top looks like a combination of a Cabbage Patch doll, <laughs> Alfred E. Newman. And anything out of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. That is like designed yeah. to give you nightmares? I was going to say John C. Riley, but yeah. <laughs> I know what I said. In that case, Mary. If it's John C. Riley, Mary. If it's not, yeah, probably kill. Pro- probably probably kill. Kill it with fire. Mumbles I like a lot. I really do like mumbles. I'd marry mumbles. Especially now that I know that the mumbling itself is an act. Yeah. That's just, that's just, that's great. That's perfect, actually. It's just Dustin Hoffman. Yes. Please. I can't believe we're going to fuck Itchy, though, with that voice. Uh. Well, you could always swap out flat top. I'd rather not. Brian's thinking about swapping out flat top, judging by that face. No, no. Kill flat top. Kill flat top. Fair enough. There you go. Hit me with the third one. The last one. Big boy. Lips and prune face. Jeez, the big bads. I'm going to... Oh, boy. I'm going to kill prune face. Yeah, that's the right... Mo- oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to... Marry lips. Really? He's got fine dining. Okay. I'm willing to deal with him eating like a monster man. Sure. I but would, mostly, I, I want to see Pacino's O face. I would honestly switch Big Boy and Lips for Why? selfish reasons. Because the lips. Yeah. What that mouth do? I saw what it did with oysters, and I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, we think very differently, Dave. <laughs> Just the sounds that are going to come off of it. That's the best part. No. It's not <laughs> I the got best nothing. part. Let's say you go to a movie theater with lips, and you're hanging out there in the back row. Everybody's going to know. And you're trying know. to be like real incognito about it. And all you hear in the back row is... <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> it's so nasty. Uh, like, I know what, what I you said. What are you doing? Michael, thank you so much for writing it. Yeah, if you're waiting for me to change my answer, I'm not. <laughs> Oh, you got problems. Uh, thank you for your emails, guys. Those were excellent. I think that's all I've got. If you have any wet bed beheads to send or any other kind of questions or comments or suggestions you want to call me on my shit, send it to capepodcasters at gmail.com. I love when people call you on your shit. I'm somehow like skirting by. I love it. I don't know how. I don't but... know either. <laughs> Is that it? That's all. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for Megamind. Same pod time? Same pod. Hoo-wah! Thank you.